Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bare Roots Podcast. Today, we have a fun episode. I think this is a little different, but super interesting because we're going to be talking about the Great Chicago Fire. And you're probably wondering why, you know, why this time? What's this topic? You know, how is this a conspiracy theory? And we're going to get into it. Don't you worry. But first, Shannon, how are you feeling today? Feeling really good. Yeah, it was a great topic to research about. I have been to Chicago. I've been on the architectural boat tour. They talk about this. They have a really good architectural, almost like a museum there. Mm -hmm. I forget what it's called. It's like the Architectural Institute of Chicago or something like that. And they have this diorama of the whole city that's Mm -hmm. out on the floor. It goes through and highlights the different points. For instance, this is where it started. The settlement started and then it grew over here. Then it grew over here. And then when they get in history to the Great Chicago Fire, the, all the lights go red and it's, Ooh. you know, it's, um, what's the word, like crackling all over the place and it shows you where the fire spread. It's a very, very cool exhibit. So it was nice to research and get a little bit deeper on that. Yeah, no, I'm excited to talk about this. I've never been to Chicago, but it's on my places to visit. And to me, Chicago, when I think of it, I have like this strong connotation to you, almost as if you <laughs> grew up in Chicago and it's only because of Aunt Donna. Just Aunt Donna. Yep. I visited my aunt <laughs> out in Chicago a few summers growing up. So yep. yeah, I think you would Shout. love Chicago. I think oh. you would thrive in Chicago. You think so? Yeah. I feel like it'd be a fun city to explore. Yeah. I think it has all the things, the water, the city life. It has it all. It has Aunt Donna. Who doesn't love Aunt Donna? It has Aunt Donna. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just remember like you would go to Chicago. It it wasn't like crazy amount of times. No. It was, I don't know why, but it's just very strong in my mind that you went there. And yeah, again, I just have this connotation like you are Chicago to me. That and Buffalo. And when I watch the Buffalo Bills, I think of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, growing up, there probably weren't that many kids talking about going to Chicago on summer vacations in yeah. Massachusetts. So that's probably, yeah, the yeah. only frame of reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the Cape or yeah, Chicago definitely stood out to me. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why we're talking about the Great Chicago Fire this week, though, is because this episode comes out on March 3rd and on March 4th is the 185th birthday of Chicago. Whoa, that is pretty old. Yeah, when it was incorporated into a city and it was incorporated as a town just four years before that. So what's that? It's 189th anniversary. So next year is going to be the 190th. <laughs> I forgot what number I just said. What's that plus one? <laughs> wow. It's been a long day, folks. Okay. It's been a long day. We record these at night. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's why we're doing this topic, just because it's Chicago's anniversary and It may be not a full conspiracy theory of how the Great Chicago Fire started, but there are, it is controversial and there Mm. are 
multiple theories. Yeah, surprisingly a lot, and we'll get into it. That's right. So the Great Chicago Fire began on October 8th, 1871, and it burned until early October 10th, devastating four square miles of city, and about 300 people died, and it caused about $200 million worth of damage, which in 2021 money is $4 billion. That's actually insane. It was the biggest fire the city had ever seen. And like we said a few moments ago, so Chicago grew very quickly. I was astonished by the numbers that I was coming up with when researching. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even, my brain can't <laughs> fathom <laughs> a city growing that fast. Yeah. And how it was almost from zero to a million and like overnight, maybe not a million, but it grew <laughs> insane. And just even the fact that it was incorporated as a town. And then four years later, they're like, oh no, we need to be a city. Four yeah. years. Yeah. I know. I watched this Western TV show and it's all fiction, but I think it's like based kind of on a true-ish story. But <laughs> I feel like Chicago was an interesting location and a hub compared to New York because New York is, of course, a lot more east. So when people were exploring the mm. now United States and going out west, all the trains would all lead back to Chicago. You know, yeah. that was the point of where everybody wanted to be and then they all just like started going west but if you wanted to go home you go to Chicago you go to Chicago yeah that's definitely true and it being right on Lake Michigan it provides a lot of routes you know for Mm -hmm. boats and yeah to get over to the east coast and everything so it was I remember reading something that said you wouldn't it wasn't a when they first settled the village or whatever it wasn't a grand spot you know it was kind of a mm-hmm. run-of-the-mill spot but then it turned into this really influential yeah. area to be in so they picked right I guess mm-hmm. by 1850 there were 30,000 people living in Chicago and in a decade that number would triple can you imagine mm-hmm. three times mm-hmm. the amount of people in a decade I know I wonder if there are people to this day who have generational wealth because of like the lands that maybe they're like great, great grandparents bought. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Imagine if you bought some real estate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get into that because yeah, the fire actually, it was obviously horrendous, but it did Mm -hmm. provide some opportunities that Chicago may not have had Mm -hmm. later on. So poor neighborhoods were downtown and the wealthy Often, you know, they would go, they had the money to have the transportation to go a little bit out. And that's where their mansions were. Mm-hmm. And by a little bit out, I mean, like, still within the city. And <laughs> if you <laughs> went today, it's like fully in the center of the city. But, you know, back then it was a little bit out. And the poor neighborhoods were extremely congested, again, because of this rapid population growth. They're just mm-hmm. building buildings haphazardly. They're just going at it. And many of the buildings were made out of wood because they had to go up quick and because, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a cost-effective material. So like a lot of our episodes, the Great Chicago Fire was a series of unfortunate events. Ooh, yep, that's true. It was a domino. Every domino was setting up and this thing was going to happen. So we have the congested wood neighborhoods. Yep. I saw something that said even sidewalks were woods, wood and some roads were even wood. So literally everything. <laughs> wood on wood. <laughs> wood on wood on wood. That summer was an extremely of 
1871 was extremely, extremely dry and it carried into the fall. So again, we're in October. Mm -hmm. Fires were very frequent. And in 1870, the year prior, there were two fires a day in the city. Wow. And the week before the Great Fire happened, there were 20 that week. That's crazy. And of course, it being October and Chicago is not, wa- not known for being a warm place. You have to start procuring your fuel for the winter a little bit early. So people in their barns had extra heating fuel, whether it be wood or coal. And they had extra animal feed because they're stocking it for winter, you know. But mm-hmm. the whole area is dry. There's fires every now or frequently. And... Actually, the night before the Great Chicago Fire started, there was another major fire, obviously to a lesser, much lesser extent, but a major fire nonetheless, and it depleted the fire department's resources. So we're going in to the October 8th with everything's dry. Yep. There's extra fuel. The firefighters are tired and Mm -hmm. their supplies are low. Mm Mm-hmm. These are the, it's a tipping, you know, it's like a boiling pot. It's going to come over. So on the record, the fire started on the west side in the D. Coven Street barn of Patrick and Catherine O'Leary. And this is probably what people, if if you know about the Great Chicago Fire, you know about Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Mm -hmm. And that's because the legend that has come throughout the, you know, decades since was that uh, it was Mrs. O'Leary's cow who knocked over a lantern and caused the fire. It took the fire department 20 minutes to arrive to the barn, but by that point, the entire block was up in flames. From there, it roared across the city, and it even destroyed previously thought of fireproof stone buildings. So they you know, already put the label on it. They said, this is not going to catch fire. Well, no, they were destroyed. Whoosh. And one big feature of Chicago is that it has a river running through it. And you would think like, oh, great, that would be a good fire break, you know, like, mm-hmm. it won't go across the river. Well, this is a time when Chicago was disgustingly filthy <laughs> and the fire, the river was so polluted that the fire just lit across it. That's actually disgusting and insane. Yeah, and I remember learning, I think on the architectural boat tour, they talked about that the river had such a thick amount of sludge on top mm-hmm. that people reported seeing a chicken run across it. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, like, this is disgusting. So, yeah, fire could just, it just didn't, it probably helped the fire along. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just made its merry way across the water. Yeah. What Chicago also has, of course, is Lake Michigan, which was also polluted, but it's such a huge body of water that they could use Lake Michigan as a resource to get water into town to quell the flames. Mm -hmm. There were empty lots that weren't built on yet, so that acted as a fire break. You know, there's no fuel for Mm -hmm. it to keep going, so that's Mm -hmm. good. And then there was a rainstorm on October 10th, so that helped as well. So those three things, the lake, the rain and the empty lots finally put the fire to bed two days later after destroying so much of the town. Imagine two full days. I mean, I guess we can because here in California, it's like wildfires that happen for a very long time. But 
I mean, when you really, 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 really don't have any resources and everything is just wood. Like you said, the series of unfortunate events. Horrible. Right. And something that I didn't think about, which totally makes sense, but right after the fire happened, there was a lot of looting and just straight up lawlessness, you know, across (laughs) the whole city. People were breaking into places, they were stealing things, taking advantage of people, and it was a big problem. Companies of soldiers were brought to Chicago and martial law was declared on October 11th, which finally ended the three days of utter chaos. The martial law was lifted several weeks later. Yeah, it's again, like you said, like something I wouldn't have thought of, but definitely makes sense that it was that it existed and that they needed to declare some sort of organization, some law right. and order. <laughs> right, exactly. So the aftermath of the Great Chicago Fire, roughly one third of the city was in ruins and 100,000 people were homeless. Most of the city's banks, hotels and apartment stores were destroyed. But thankfully, a lot of Chicago's physical infrastructure, including the transportation system, remained intact. And most of the devastation was in the north, but in the south were all the stockyards and lumberyards. So kind of the places that you need to rebuild Mm. were protected, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. A month after the fire, Joseph Medill was elected mayor after promising to institute stricter building and fire codes. And it's funny, though, because (laughs) his victory might be attributable to the fact that most of the city's voting records were destroyed in the fire. So it was next to impossible to keep people from voting more than once. (laughs) So (laughs) I I can imagine (laughs) like you're trying to hold a fair election and you're just like, do you have any proof? Like, no, it was destroyed in the fire. Right. Like, let me just go vote next door right right why not so who knows if he was uh, voted in fairly but at least he had a good platform he was yeah standing on he truly won the popular vote <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so reconstruction began and it helped the economy and population growth so the city soared in population the chicagoans which i didn't know that was what you call people who live in Chicago. That feels like a hard word to say. Chicagoans? Yeah, it's like four syllables. (laughs) (laughs) They were overall remarkably optimistic about the city's future. And there was an entrepreneur that has a quote that he told to East Coast financers. And quote, he says, Go to the Chicago, go to Chicago now. Young men, hurry there. Old men, send your sons. Women, send your husbands. You will never again have such a chance to make money. I tell you that within five years, Chicago's business houses will be rebuilt. And by 1900, the new Chicago will boast a population of a million souls. And he was actually right. Mm -hmm. By 1880, the population grew to 500,000. And by 1890, it was more than a million which was right behind New York City. Wow. So we just went from, what did we say at the beginning? By, so 1850, 30,000. So about 20 years later, we hit a million. That's crazy. 40 years. Wait, 1850 and... 1890. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's been a long time. But yeah, what's crazy is that it more than doubled in 10 years, you know, like from 500,000 to over a million. That's so, so much. Chicago became almost the Mecca for architecture in the U.S. because it's well known that it's home of the works of America's most famous architects, you know, all of the big names. And this was only possible due to the fire because they were drawn in by the building, the rebuilding opportunities. So sure, it was obviously horrendous and they had a lot of cleaning up to do afterwards, but they were kind of left with a clean slate almost. And then all of these influential ca- people came in and they really made Chicago what it is today. The first world, the world's first skyscrapers were designed here and built here. And in 1893, Chicago hosted the world's Columbian exposition, which is also insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause that's only, well, that's 22 years, which eh, I guess that is a decent amount of time, but. <laughs> to yeah. go from like utter destruction Nothing. yeah to having the world's exposition come to you pretty Impressive. wild but yeah the exposition was a tourist attraction visited by two, 27.5 million people which was about half of the u.s's population at the time and i know alina had to read this book because i had to read this book that's and right those of you who have read devil in the white city by Eric Larson, I believe. This is what the book is about. The yes. White City is the World Columbian Exposition in Chicago in 1893. Yes. And this is where the Ferris wheel was brought and invented, which I, up until that point, so what, probably like 18 years of my life or something like that, I had, I never considered the word Ferris wheel, like mm-hmm. someone's last name until mm-hmm. that moment that someone named Mr. Ferris created the ferris wheel which is just genius i don't know it seems so simple (laughs) yeah no i thought the same thing and i still remember the author set it up so perfectly because he wasn't they were trying to figure out what to do because previously the last uh world's fair was in paris and that's when the eiffel tower was built Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and then so they were trying to decide oh what to do we have to out eiffel eiffel because yep. the guy who made the Eiffel Tower's last name was Eiffel. And then at the end of the chapter, he drops it with, you know, ending it with, they had an idea and it came from Mr. Ferris. And you're like, wow. Yeah. You're like, it's a Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy to think about because that book also gave that insight of just the kind of competition that existed and how did we create the Eiffel Tower and like why was it created and then the Ferris wheel coming shortly right after that yeah I believe the zipper was also first announced here I remember that standing out in my mind I don't remember that that's (laughs) fun we didn't we didn't have a zipper before 1893 that's cool though I like it yeah yeah and if you guys need a good uh book recommendation that's a pretty good one yeah that was a really good book I think it was a summer reading book, wasn't it? Or... Yeah, yeah, for history class. Yeah, it was one of the few that actually gripped you. <laughs> yep, exactly. But anyway, today, the Chicago Fire Department Training Academy is actually located on the site of the O'Leary property where the fire started, which is an interesting little fun fact. I did not know that. 
1997, the Chicago City Council passed a resolution exonerating Catherine O'Leary and her cow because <laughs> we'll go into it, but she was yep. put through the ringer on right. being blamed basically for this huge fire, but she mm-hmm. was exonerated in 1997. That's right. She cleared her name, Mrs. O'Leary. Yep. Poor Mrs. O'Leary. And the cow, you know, justice for the cow. The cow's name was Daisy. Justice for Daisy. Justice for Daisy. Oh, what a beautiful name. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. But um, we're going to dive into the conspiracy theories. As Shannon pointed out, the cow does make an appearance. And we have four other like theories people have regarding the Great Chicago Fire. So let's dive in. But before we do, let's first hear a word from our sponsor. Alrighty, so we've already talked about it, but we we gotta bring it up as the number one. So the cow, right? Daisy the cow. Majority of people believe that the cow was at fault for this, and here is why. After the fire, Michael Ahern, a reporter, published an article claiming that the fire was started by a cow, Daisy Do, kicking over a lantern. So no name was said, but it wasn't hard to deduce when people already knew it started at the O'Leary barn. So people are kind of playing clue. They're like, okay, who has the lantern in Mrs. O'Leary's dining room? You know, who was the setup or like where was the setup? So the idea became widely popular and Catherine O'Leary became a caricature in all of the newspapers. I mean, like once the rumor starts, I feel like it's kind of hard to tell. Right, right. And allegedly, she was in the barn around 9 p.m. milking her cow when it kicked over the lantern. Although she denied this account, saying that she never milked after dark and she claimed she was in bed and had no idea how the fire happened. It wasn't until later that Hearn admitted that he had made the story up. Like this poor woman and the cow. I know. I know. And it does make sense for her to be like, no, why would I milk a cow at 9 p.m.? Right. <laughs> so one thing that people have to kind of like think about in terms of the time period, there was a lot of anti-Irish attitudes, including anti-Catholic, anti-immigrant, and probably anti-female at the time, which just like giving me throwbacks to our Salem Witch Trials podcast episode. Mm-hmm. If you haven't mm-hmm. listened to it, link in our bio um at by roots podcast okay at the time which encouraged making o'leary the scapegoat for the whole fire and you know a little little tidbit i don't know if we want to like point this out but uh (laughs) where's mr o'leary you know yeah i from what i knew it's i mean it's always mrs o'leary mrs o'leary mrs o'leary and Mm. i'm like is this woman a widow where is mr o'leary oh no her husband was alive and well patrick Nobody taught it couldn't have been Patrick out in the barn. Yeah. We're looking at you, Patrick. Where were you? Huh? It was poor Catherine that's been thrown under the bus. Yep. And people are probably jealous that she has a cow and she's making an income, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I have to say, I did read in other places that only a calf, a single calf, survived. So I think that means that Daisy died. Oh. So people are blaming this cow and Mrs. O'Leary and the poor cow died. 
that's so sad. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, people, again, you know, weren't the biggest fans of her. And another reason is people created like rumors about her in addition saying that she was asleep by 9pm because she was drunk in her bed. So people are arguing, oh, nine's too early. You're probably drunk and just yeah. like worthless. And that's why you didn't wake up. Oh, if that, you know? Yeah. I, and that I, was I, the, you know, the trope of the Irish immigrant was, oh, they're just drunk and lazy mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Yep. So the media in Chicago society portrayed her as they wanted. Right after the fire, she was, you know, this old clumsy drunk. She was 44, you know, just to put a little age to it. You know us at Bear Roots, we love an age um, clarification. later when it was evident that chicago prospered probably even more than without the fire pointed out she turned into this benign quaint character so basically Catherine died carrying this with her and just like being in the public eye being made fun of which is just really sad that hurts my soul she never saw that 1997 exoneration Mm -hmm. obviously Mm -hmm. but can you imagine walking around with the last name o'leary after Uh, yeah you like, gotta you go. can't, yeah, you can't even walk around without people mm-hmm. probably making a, sli- a snide comment or whatever. Yep. And she could have very well been asleep in her bed. Yeah, exactly. One thing people quick to point out just with the whole like Catherine O'Leary theory is that if she, if her cow really did do it, it's just interesting how her house stayed tip top shape. But then the rest of the city kind of like went down in flames. Oh, okay. I see. I originally mm-hmm. didn't understand the line that was in this. <laughs> I was like, are they? Like, I thought it was pinpointing it on her. Like, no. Like, but her house survived. And it's like, are you saying that they, she controlled the fire to not go <laughs> around her or not hit her house? She's a witch. Yeah. No. Okay. I understand them. Yeah. Which is a good point, you know? Like, that is a good point. Maybe it was the winds. I don't know. But poor Mrs. O'Leary. So that's like the main one. You know, we got the cow, Mrs. O'Leary. The second theory is Peg Leg Sullivan. It's a fun name. So Mrs. O'Leary had a one-legged neighbor who was the person, or sorry, who was the first person to raise the alarm of the fire. His mother had a cow in there as well. So there was like, you know, some sort of reasoning for him for going in there. Some people believe he was having a nightcap in the barn when a spark from his pipe ignited the hay. And it's said that as he tried to flee, his peg leg stuck in the floor crack. He discarded it and hobbled to safety by clinging to the cow. So there's this historian, his name is Richard Bales, and he found enough evidence pointing to Daniel peg leg Sullivan including inconsistencies in his story so he just was like wait like things are just not adding up about that night and this is actually what ultimately led the Chicago City Council to officially exonerate Mrs. O'Leary so they took his research analysis and took it as gospel yeah I I think this is one of those times where it's kind of like whoever smelt it dealt it you know <laughs> like if he's there he's like hey guys there's a fire then mm, did you do it yeah I think that that might have something to it but I'd also like to point out it's another instance of an Irish immigrant you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. but yeah and just like on whole like what you're saying 
before about the blaze sparing Mrs. O'Leary's cottage. Everywhere was very adamant that it started at this barn, but I'm like, how do we really know that? (laughs) That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, how and where did we get this conclusion? Because I don't understand with everything that went down into flames. Where do we get the point? I understand we have kind of technology now of um, being able to tell like how did a fire start and all that, but this is like 1800s. I mean, I'm sure, I guess it's because the alarm was raised there and then the fire department took 20 minutes to get there. And then by that Mm -hmm. point it was up in the whole block, like sure. But it just feels like obviously this whole city was kindling ready to be caught on fire. But I'm going to take it as it was started here. I'm not going to try to rate. I'm not going to try to upturn everything <laughs> here. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll believe that it started in her barn. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that is, I think he's, I think he potentially has more, more sway in it than Mrs. O'Leary. Mm-hmm. I think I yeah. believe his story a little bit more, just a little bit. Same, same, same. So we have another prospect and this guy's a gambler. And there was a gambler named Louis Kahn who was 18 when the fire broke out. And apparently he made a private confession to his friends and family on his deathbed years later saying that he and Mrs. O'Leary's son and a few other guys were shooting craps in the hayloft by the lantern light that night when one of the boys knocked over the lantern. I feel like we kind of get a few of these, like someone's on their deathbed and they admit that they did this sort of situation. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just another, it seems like a possible theory. Just like Mr. Sullivan, we got, you know, a few guys are hanging out in the barn and then one like knocks it over. They've had too much, you know, to drink or whatever. They're having fun. But I don't know. Yeah, I think it's totally believable. You know, it's not out of the realm Mm -hmm. of possibility. And I know that there are some people who say that Catherine O'Leary was hosting a party or was she was making Tom and I saw I actually saw this and that she was making Tom and Jerry's which is a cocktail that I actually made for my really fun winter solstice party (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it involves milk and so she had and like that's why she was going out there to Mm. milk the cow to get the milk for the Tom and Jerry's but Mm -hmm. again she says she was sleeping but yeah I can picture some teenage boys up there Mm -hmm. just playing their games and accident you know like it's not a crime to knock over a lantern like that's the thing that it's it's not (laughs) your fault if you ask if a cow knocks it over or if you knock it over it's not your fault that the whole city lit up because you accidentally knocked over a lantern Mm -hmm. exactly i know it's crazy how just like one possible accident just roared up right the next theory is kind of fun i kind of like it (laughs) And the reason why the Great Chicago Fire started was actually from a comet, some people believe. Pieces of Bila's, Bila's comet. Yeah, I'm sorry to everyone who knows the correct name. So this comet, right, was a periodic comet that apparently disintegrated around the time of the fire. But what's interesting is that it could have started other blazes that started in Wisconsin and Michigan that same year and not just Chicago. So is it possible that this comet, to Chicago just used that series of unfortunate events or just like kind of caught mm-hmm. on fire, but it was just naturally was going to happen as it did in Wisconsin and Michigan. 
yeah, maybe some comet dust hit the barn yeah. and nobody was there. Everybody was asleep in their bed sober, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. There, there was no lantern. <laughs> I did uh, see something that was like, this is dumb because the comet would have like vaporized in the atmosphere because it's just ice or whatever Mm -hmm. um but it is a it is an actual theory (laughs) it doesn't have too many points for it but yep it is something people have talked about (laughs) yep like i said it's kind of fun and flirty i like yeah yeah (laughs) and the last one is a little bit more serious but it's a theory. And could it be that a terrorist organization started the Great Chicago Fire? Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So there's a rumor that the fire was set by an unnamed member of a worldwide terrorist organization with direct ties to the 1871 Paris Commune, which at the time was a revolutionary group that took over Paris a few months in 1871. Whoa, just absorb that. So in Paris, right, there were some radicals who had set the city on fire as they were being driven out by the government. And this was a few months prior to the Chicago fire. So people in Chicago were already thinking about big fires and big cities uh, because it just happened in Paris. Yep, exactly. And a local paper even published his confession air quotes, and a poem that appeared in the New York Evening Post. And it asked, did out of Paris's ashes arise this bird with a flaming crest that over the ocean unhindered flies with a scourge for the queen of the West? Mm. And with that, we bid you adieu. (laughs) (laughs) So that's an interesting one. Definitely one I would have thought of or made any connection to, but it's a thing. People talk about it. Yeah, this one took a hard turn when I was reading an article about, you know, the different, or I was just reading an article about the uh, fire in general, I think, and we had already seen so many research, we had done so many research on the other topics that this had never come up in any of the other (laughs) research, and then in what I was reading, this came up, they're like, oh yeah, it might have been this, I was like, wait, 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 what? And apparently... A few days after the fire, this guy for the, I think he was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, he wrote this article about potentially it being this terrorist organization that lit fire to to the city, but it didn't seem to have many legs. So just another one out there. I I don't know. I guess I don't know enough about the politics to know why that organization would have wanted to destroy Chicago (laughs) and it didn't seem Mm -hmm. like there was that much Mm -hmm. online to find (laughs) right what did they win out of that (laughs) so I'm not putting my money on that one yeah same same I guess overall where's your tinfoil hat now that we've like gone through all the theories sorry people are walking upstairs (laughs) oh my god that was really funny because so Shannon looked up and it looked like you were like analyzing your tinfoil hat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I was just trying to <laughs> determine if the people upstairs were too loud. <laughs> I'd say my tinfoil hat is on the gambling kids in the hayloft. I think that's on my, mm-hmm. maybe it's in the coronation stage, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right there. I don't think they would have left a lit lantern in a barn by itself next to a cow for the cow to knock it over. 
on its mm-hmm. own. You know, obviously somebody's in there with it if there is a lantern. Yeah. And I want to believe that sweet Mrs. O'Leary was in her bed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, but again, I'm going to have the caveat of it doesn't really matter. Because Mrs. O'Leary, if she wanted to go make herself Tom and Jerry's and she was going to go milk the cow, she it's well within her right to make those Tom and Jerry's. And men. <laughs> <laughs> it could have happened to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Even you. Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> what about you, Alina? Mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of agree with you. I think overall, I don't think Mrs. O'Leary did it. Like, I'm just going to say that. I don't think she did. But in terms of who did it, kind of like you, like, I almost want to say none of these people, none of these things, and just yeah. just a random group yeah. of kids, like, or men, or who just had, you know, they're out and about, they're having some drinks, you know, they're playing some cards or whatever, mm-hmm. like, in that vicinity of the area. And then I do think it was an accident. Like somebody just knocked it over. So I like what you said with the closest thing is the gambler with like his friends and they're yeah. just hanging out because it's just, it's so specific. The Mr. Sullivan guy, I don't know. Like, I just don't think it's too specific almost. Mm-hmm. But the idea, again, just people hanging out, the lantern accidentally not gets knocked over. Boom. Fire. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't even know, like, it could have been somebody walking by with a cigar or, you know, something. Literally could be anything. The Chicago or the the city was built for this at this point. Yes, literally. And with 20 fires, the what, you say the day of or the week before? The week before. The week before. Yeah, this city was going to catch on fire, whether it was the cow or somebody else. Right. Just a matter of time. So that's where my tinfoil hat is. Yeah, I mean, I think that Chicago really, they lost a lot in this fire, but they also gained a lot. And there's, it's interesting to think of what Chicago would look like today mm-hmm. if this fire didn't happen. But again, this fire would have happened. <laughs> there's no <laughs> yeah. world in which this does not happen at some point. <laughs> exactly. Like we might be saying it happened like on October like 12th. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe even the next year, you know, like it just, it bound to happen. Yep. But they bounced back and we're grateful for that. Yeah. So um, if this doesn't inspire you to go to Chicago, I don't know what will. (laughs) They also have great hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know, you could go see like a nice baseball game. Yeah. You know, just shopping. It's fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, everyone. Well, let us know what you think. Out of those theories, what are you feeling? Are you kind of what Shin and I are thinking? Or, you know, you really think it's one or the other? Like, did Mrs. O'Leary get it? Like, is that what you firmly believe? Let us know. And follow us on Instagram at BearRootsPod, B-A-R-E. And on any streaming platform you listen to, subscribe. You know, whether it's Apple, Spotify, whatever, we're there. So until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye.